If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 5. <laughs> the thrill of being told no. The thrill of being told no. <clears throat> now, all of us at one time as kids, we would have we would have loved to, this sermon, but it's a whole different context in which I'm giving it to you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Got a few things to move over here. I need room for my papers. Um, I want you to look in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, if you would. I want to read this, and then I want to pray. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that there is something to be said here, that we know that our world will face, we will face resistance as we continue to give the words of life in the world we live, in the community we live. Jesus, I pray that with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit would animate for us this morning. Animate for us the, the importance and the necessity of being bold and courageous. That we cannot expect that it's going to be without a fight. But as we do, Lord, inspire us to move forward in not that we are coming in on our own authority, but we are coming with the authority of the creator of the universe and what matters to him the most. And Lord, there's nothing that's more important than Jesus Christ and him crucified. That, Lord, will always be the most important thing. And then all the things we could be entertained with. And yet, Lord, so many. Father, the word says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. The wondrous gospel, the revelation that only the blood of Jesus could be provided for, for a sacrifice and atonement for our sins, and yet so many father blinded. But Lord, help us move forward with anticipation and expectation for salvation for those, Lord, still yet to come in. God, for the sheep, Lord, that you're still reaching out to. Thank you, Father, for the way the Holy Spirit will make this truth settle into our hearts today. And I pray, Father, for more boldness in our lives. I pray for a readiness to leave this room, ready to preach the gospel to everybody around us, to all the creatures, just as you'd given us that commission. God, I pray for a renewed faith and love to be able to share the things of God like never before. And Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that as we reach out and we begin to step out on those waters and move out in faith, that you will begin to move on the, the, no, the nominal among us, the normal, the common here, Jesus, those who like the disciples had just been with we unlearned and ignorant as it were. Maybe the world doesn't look at us as much, but yet we have something deposited in our spirit that comes from God. Lord, help us understand the value of that today and not be shaken with anything else around us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The thrill of being told no. I can't even believe I'm preaching this, but I understand. that This is so important for us to understand that when you grasp the things of God, you realize that when there's resistance, some of us, in the context of the culture around us, there's so many people wanting to get out on social media, the internet. They want to become famous for saying things under their own authority that have no weight or right. 
and yet they're still doing it anyway. But yet you and I have, as long as we have come to trust in Jesus and submitted to Him as our God and our Savior, we have something that isn't under the weight of our authority. It's under the weight of the authority of the Creator of the universe. And what is holding us back in being able to share faithfully and openly with our neighbors and the people around us? And of course, I'm not speaking there. I'm not saying that many of us don't, but maybe there's a new level of boldness for us today. Maybe there's a new level of expectation that some of us is like, well, that's the evangelist, or that's the pastor. And you kind of look at your life as, that's just not my life. But when you find just a nugget of what Jesus, just a real piece of what Jesus has done, if he saved you, if you can say, I've been regenerated, I'm walking in a newness of life, you have something to share. It might be fairly new for you, but yet it's still something to share. Here, in, I want to read one more time in Acts just chapter 5, verse 40. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Somehow the high priest and those who were a part of this, they thought that by beating the apostles that they were going to douse out the fire to preach about Jesus. You know, maybe I should ask the question, think about this for yourselves. How do you, how do you think you would respond? How do you think you would respond? You know, it's, it's one thing when we have opposition, it's, it's the severity of the opposition that can change the degree of your intention. But here, I, I think this is powerful because it shows what the Holy Spirit can do in a person's life. And it's not just the fact that they had boldness, it's that there was no kind of opposition that can erase from them kind of what Peter said when he saw Jesus. And he said, you have the words of eternal life. Where else shall we go? You have so captivated our souls that there is no meaning to the world outside of what you have done. We are following you to the end of life. And I'm sure the disciples had wished to some reason, that, in some way, that their life would have ended before Jesus's. But they were going to follow him all the way to the end because they saw that Jesus had the words of eternal life. There's something powerful about when God gets inside of you and you realize I know what it was like when God got inside of me and I realized for the first time I'm moving from death into life. And I remember how it changed the struggle of uh, the weight of depression over my mind and suicidal thoughts and how amazing it was that God had gotten inside of me and love filled me. An incredible love that I had not known. And you know what's interesting as I look back on it, I think, it seems strange to me that it was all always there, but I could never perceive it. I never saw it, and finally my eyes were opened. A beautiful song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And that the moment I believed, that grace appeared to me. The grace that saves, the grace that washes all my sin away. I love that song. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath its flood lose all their guilty stains. I could say that over and over again and reminisce about how true that really is. I get to plunge in fresh every day. That's The blood is available for me and it's the only thing that cleanses. And God, because it's not something physically visible, God is the one who applies it through the power of His Spirit and it's as real as anything you can touch. The undying loyalty of Jesus' disciples was not being tested, it was being fueled. It's the power of the loyalty to God and the knowing 
that he's the one backing you, that you're his servant, is that it's not being tested. We, we talk about being tested. But I think when you know that you're a solid believer, you're not being tested. It's just animating what's already alive inside of you. It thrills you at times. To the opposition, not because you're looking for opposition, it thrills you because you know what's inside of you is real. Yes, yes. I, I couldn't help it. I have to go back to a time in my life. I remember when in my home as a teenager and my mom's boyfriend was threatening my life and saying, I don't want you anymore to talk about Jesus. You know, there was a time he could have, he could have gotten me, but not at this point because Jesus wasn't a fad. He was a reality. And he had so changed my heart. And I remember I had this mixture of feeling of fear. It wasn't that it was absent, but that it didn't dominate. It didn't regulate my decision and where I was going to go. And I remember having that feeling of fear, and I remember his threats, and I was sure that they were as real as possible. And if he could carry out the intent of my heart, it would have just been a snap in the finger, and I would have been dead. And... But yet it was amazing because I knew that as much as he wanted to push forward, he wasn't able to. And I, I, I couldn't put it all together. And I remember his threats. And he had said, I promise. I remember the last time I saw him. He said, if I ever see your face again, I will kill you. And I was just a teenage boy. But there was something else profound with me. It felt like there was a thrill inside of my spirit. This You can't kill him. You can't kill the the love that I have for Jesus. I'm not afraid of what you're going to do. I do have the feelings of fear, but I'm not ultimately afraid that you can change where I'm going to go with this. And I remember time as it continued to go on. It just seemed strange to me. But that's, but then I realized this strangeness was really a part of God's putting things together. Because how can we do this thing as be Christians and, and truly genuine if... It only takes an ounce of fear to draw us out of our place of safety with Jesus. But what it did was it just took certain verses of the Bible and made them so real to me. It made them so real. And one of the verses in the Bible, I remember Psalm 2710 as I woke up at my dad's house after some of the similar threats. And I remember it said, when your father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. You've got to understand, in that context, that was his goal to me. That was more to me than life itself, is that God had something in His Word that would speak directly to something I needed in the moment. And boy, did I need it. And so there's this feeling, and I know some would be like, I, I'm sure I could see people praying for me and say, Lord, just take him out of that situation. But I can tell you because of the safety net of having the Holy Spirit at work in my life, you could have prayed another prayer too, and you could have said, Lord, just leave him right where he's at, but just assure him of how much you're there being his strong tower. Be his strong tower in that moment. Let him embrace you in the middle of that fire. Just keep him longingly close to you in the middle of it. Lord, if anything, if, if taking him out of that would reduce the depth of his draw to you, then God, just leave him there. And you could have prayed that for me and I would have told you thank you for praying the will of God. But it's because I saw something in the middle of that. I wasn't being destroyed, but I was being fueled. I was being fueled. I want you to look in verse 41. It says, So they departed from the presence of the council 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Look at how this all turns around. And don't you love the, the verse in the Bible that says, that was meant for our harm, God will turn around for His good. And so you look at this and it's like, you, th- you think that there's something happening. And I wonder if this is the defeat of, of the devil in everything that he tries to do in the world around us. is because in the people of God, and the people who know that the power of Jesus' name is a security tower, he knows he can't ultimately crush them. But maybe he doesn't think that. Maybe he thinks somehow he's going to get away, but he doesn't really. The disciples took their beating as an honor, but why? Why did they take this beating as an honor? I think that's pretty powerful. I want you to look at verse 9 now in chapter 5. I want you to walk back with me in a few of these verses. Something hits you, feel free to say amen. Then Peter said to her in verse 9, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. One of the most frightening verses in all of the Bible. One of the most frightening outcomes in all of the Bible. And yet, here's something that I see in this. Peter wasn't driven, I don't think he was driven by fear. I think he was driven by what he saw, the security of walking with God. See, in the light of that, he saw the insecurity of what it means to not walk with God. But it also established the security of walking with God. So Peter knew the security of walking with God, and neither beating nor death could separate him. From God. Isn't that really, I think if you think about it, humanity is just searching, desperately searching for our point of origin. The one who created us and gave us life. In everything that we're, we're, we're struggling around in life, this is, where, this is where it's got to end. And Peter had found it. Peter had experienced that. The thrill of being told no by man is that God's, eye, God's yes will always trump it. God doesn't change His mind because man doesn't agree. And that's powerful. Because all of us need that security today. We need to know, Lord, if you've secured it and you said that this is going to be and this is how it is, then nobody gets the power to change that. You have one with God as a majority. I've heard that in space of my life. One with God as a majority. You don't have to have a crowd of people following you. You don't have to have everybody's yeses in order. You just need the security of God's yes. As soon as you have that, don't quit walking in it. Keep going forward in the yes of God. Every no that is enforced by violence or threat only intensifies the honor we give to God in being faithful. If in a sense it's the cry of your heart this morning and you say, Lord, all I really want is... I want, I want my opportunity to be intensified in honoring you, in loving you. You might inadvertently be praying for something to come along your path that has more violence or intensifies more struggle as far as it were. But you will be, remain faithful because God has already done something precious in your heart. There is a separation of the superficial here. There's a point in which superficiality just doesn't work in this context anymore. And so God begins to sift out His saints by bringing fire in our life. But all it really does for us is confirm the love that was already there. 
just manifest the love that God has already put in us. I want you to look in verses 12 through 16 with me. Love these verses. And that through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join themselves, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. And at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I think I can capture in these verses. This is what I think I can say. I think I can say I see in these verses that when sincerity is at its truest in our life, when we're sincerely following God for just Christ's sake, this is the promise of God. The promise of God is for those who are pure in heart. God intends to fulfill. I, I was praying this, this this week. I was praying with another man and we were praying over a missionary friend of his. And I, and I said in my time of prayer, and I felt like oftentimes we'll pray this, Lord, be with them. Lord, you're already with them. You're so surrounding them, so encamping about their life. Even the worst of sinners has God all around them in every fashionable way, but yet they can't detect it. Jesus, what I'm praying is not, I'm not praying for your faithfulness because I know you're always faithful. I'm praying their eyes will be opened to your faithfulness and that you'll help them along. The disciples took their beating as a blessing because they saw miracles unfolding before they were beaten. See, this, these verses are before they were threatened and beaten. Peter had had the display of the glory of God as a background in preparation for the suffering that he was about to go through. God always has a way of preparing us for the events to come. The disciples took that because what which it meant is this. If you think about it, when they saw the, the miracles unfold before the, the violence and the tragedy, what does that mean? Scripturally, what does God tell us is going to happen? It just means that God will counter the pain with greater power. It's you're just on the verge of something greater than what you had before. I want to read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 10, if you'll bring that up. Perfect. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. The life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. Paul's saying here is, is that 
when I'm persecuted and pressed on every side, the counterweight of God's glory comes to fill in the gap. God will never let His children suffer beyond what He is able to carry them through. And when we're inviting the presence of God in our life, we're saying, Lord, we're willing to go through anything that You can carry the weight of the glory in my life. I'm looking forward to what You're going to do. And I think that that speaks for why they they counted it an honor that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. The same Jesus that the, John the Baptist had said, I'm not worthy to loose the shoes from off of His feet. Isn't it a privilege to be in the presence of God today? Isn't it amazing that we get to be sheltered by the presence of God? That, the, that when we're in our times of sorrow, God is with us. He's with us more than you detect and know that He is. But all of that, He's there as a strong tower. And it's not just a verse. It's not a hope verse. It's a life verse. That God actually invests Himself into our life in the middle of what we are facing. The thrill of being told no is that God will counterbalance it with an infinite supply so that you will never lack what it takes to do His will. Not your will, not not what you would like to get done or accomplished in this life, but when God has His will, and and you look at the book of Acts and paint it all over the book of Acts, they're thrown in prison and the, the angel of the Lord comes and opens the prison doors so that they can be released back into the town to go share the gospel one more time. Notice they're not sharing anything else but the gospel. This is the power of God. That Jesus came and died and was crucified and raised again so that I can be forgiven of sin and that I can be right with God. That can be heralded all over the community. The true favor of God doesn't swell you up with pride, but gives you a craving for humility. I love in the Psalms, it's rather to be a doorkeeper in, in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Humility doesn't need to see what it looks like in the mirror. You know, I think this is that there's something about an element, and this is how I I favor the power of God. There's something about the power of God when you're actually seeing God at work, whether you're praying for somebody or you're seeing healing, you're seeing a supernatural act of God, you don't get to take the credit. And, And when God is actually at work in your life, He builds humility all around it so that He can keep it about His glory and not cause it to escape that reality. I love this quote by Timothy Keller. He says this, The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. I love that. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both swaggering and uh, sniveling. I cannot feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Isn't that a perfect quote of what, the heart of the gospel, of what Jesus does in us? He builds us up, and yet He doesn't build us up with pride. He just builds us up. And humility is just a, the, the beauty of, Lord, I feel empty over, but I don't feel the emptiness of the world feels. I feel the emptiness of a Christian feels. 
the kind of emptiness that makes me just want more of you. And it doesn't make me bigger about me. It just makes me confident in you. I love to tell about how God will heal. I love to tell about how God will deliver. How God will take you from darkness into light. I love to share that and then watch Him do it. And then look back and think, I just said, Lord, what You promised and declared. You were the one who did the faithful acts and You proved Yourself in their life. And I get to worship You in light of what I'm seeing You do. In verse 18 through 20, he says, And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Do you hear that? God was saying, This is what I want you to do. And the angel of the Lord opens up the prison doors. So what I want you to be aware of this moment is is that when you see the value of the gospel and you're ready to carry it across Wallowa County and from your neighbor, I know so many of us have carried the gospel to our neighbors and you've breathed that gospel by sharing that with them in some way. What a powerful thing is, is that there's a thrill of being told no is that the world's prison can't keep you where God's calling is not calling you. They can't keep you where God is not calling them. There's times when you see for some of the disciples or apostles, they had a lengthy stay in the prison house. Some of us are just trying to pray them out of the prison house. But sometimes in the middle of the prison house is where God has you for the time being. He has you in diverse circumstances and with difficult people and situations, scenarios you don't feel comfortable in because He wants to work through you in that environment. But let me tell you this, that when it's not God's call for you to be there, there's no way that you can be kept there. The thrill of being told no. They can tell me, no, you can't, and they can throw you into a prison house, or they can put you in, they can try and in any way stop what God is doing, but they they can't complete the task. Because God is the one protecting you. Fears and snares are only in places that God has not planned for you. Fears and snares are only in places God has not planned for you. There's some people that need to hear that because there's some people who are wrapped up in fears because what they haven't realized is they've landed in a place and they've let their life go in a direction that God doesn't want them to be. And so as you surrender to the Lord's will, as you give your life to Christ and let Him manage you, and manage where you go and what you do, that fear will go. That fear will go. Because you're yielding to the authority of Jesus. We're not just using the name of Jesus. We're actually investing ourselves in the name of Jesus. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing in verse 41 that they had been counted worthy. I just wanted to bring you back around to where we started. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. The thrill of being told no is that God is always going to get the glory. God can lift His disciples without making them lofty. And He can lower them and not lose them. 
That is how God gets the glory. He can put me on high places, and I'm not going to get proud about it. And he can put me in low places, and he's not going to lose me. That's how God gets the glory. He got you no matter what environment he puts you in. Isn't that awesome? God gets you no matter what environment he has you in. You gave your life to him. And I just wanted that to stay in our hearts today as we consider the boldness of being able to preach the gospel is that our safety net is the gospel. Paul can say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God. And isn't that remarkable as we think about this is that the one thing that separates Christianity from so many, the, all the other world's religions is that ours is not on the basis of that you improve the way you act. It is that your faith in God and in Christ and in the cross of Jesus Christ is your doorway to God's promises. And when we receive the God's promises, it changes the way we live. There's, there's no doubt we're going to be different people. But the beauty of it is that it says we put our faith in Him. And I started thinking about what does faith look like? I think faith looks like sometimes when you've gone to a certain place in the Bible, maybe it's Psalm 23, and you're taking time looking at Psalm 23, and then you read, the Lord is my shepherd. And then you stop there because you're captivated by that thought and you can't get away from it. The Lord is my shepherd. I guess I didn't really see that before. That's faith. He's my shepherd. He's watching over me. And then the whole of Psalm 23 blows up inside of your spirit as you read it because there's something of life from the Spirit of God that's pouring out faith in the Word of God. You see it as a present reality. Isn't that beautiful how God does that in us? I want to encourage you this morning as we just take these last few moments before we have a potluck and share and enjoy fellowship together. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to just pray and spend some time in the presence of God this morning. This is a beautiful moment that we have together and just to be able to individually focus on God. And you know where the Holy Spirit comes in? He comes in when the people of God together and individually, but He comes in when they make Him the special focus of this time. I, I, wanted, I want to sincerely say I'm not preaching to just give you a word. I'm preaching to stir your heart. And fill you with an affection and desire to see God minister to your life. Just be honest and open to Him. I'm going to give an, an, uh, an altar call for that. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up. And I'm going to pray over you. As I normally do, I'm going to pray the Lord's blessing over our fellowship. But this is why I don't close the altar time. Because I'm, I know how God can do something on a person's heart that you feel like you can't leave the altar because the Lord's doing something so special in you. And you don't want to. And so what I've watched is, is ministries, they let go of the altar time and we, we cut it short. But I want you to have as long as you feel like the Lord's leading you to do so. And the rest of us, as you feel led, let's go have fellowship. Let's enjoy one another's presence today. Isn't it beautiful? We get Jesus and we get one another. We get Jesus and we get one another.
Let me pray, and as we do, I'll have the worship team come up. Father, thank you today for the superiority of Jesus' mighty love. Lord, nothing has softened me. Nothing has so altered the person and the struggles of life and made all of life seem so beautiful, so wonderfully constructed that, God, I cannot ever say that you had ever failed me. I just struggled to see how faithful you were in some of my struggles. Thank you, Jesus, that right now, God, you're doing something in this place. The Holy Spirit is hovering, just calling us for a, a renewed worship. Father, thank you that we get fellowship and we get worship together in this day. Lord, this is our opportunity to draw as close to heaven as you will permit us to do so. So, Jesus, would you just fill every heart here? Build us with expectation to meet with you, Father. Today, Lord, is where you want to meet with us. I ask you to touch everybody in this place right now as we sing these songs unto you and worship you through them. In Jesus' name, amen.